Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. We're talking about resolved, resolved at the beginning of the year. Are there things that you came into 2021 that are unresolved in your heart, in your mind, in your family, with God, with yourself? Have you resolved 2020? <laughs> Because what tends to happen, like I said a few weeks ago, how you exit one year, you enter the other. And so things don't just change because it's a new year. It changes when our mindset changes and our behavior changes. And so we're talking about resolved. The last uh, week, two weeks, we've been unpacking six exhortations. Um, The first one was that we realize that there is more to being a believer than what we have experienced. The second one was um, to pursue becoming the person that God has called you to be. Don't be who someone else is trying to make you be. Uh, Number three, let your passion be energized because of the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Number four, never let the past hinder your pursuit of God's promise for your future. Number five, put in the maximum effort in light of the ultimate prize. And the last thing we talked about was anticipate the future with hope and with joy, with hope and with joy. Can you all just say with me, say, we are a learning church. Come on, say that again. Say, we are a learning church. I am a learning believer. I grow in the knowledge of God because I apply what I'm taught by the word. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes. So now we're going to talk about three resolutions. You know, we had said that at the beginning of the year, a lot of people make resolution goals. Um, Chelsea showed me this one little um, something on on Instagram and this, this, this lady said, Someone asked her about resolutions and she said, what resolutions? Didn't you see what happened in 2020? Y'all didn't get it. What what she was saying is I'm not making any resolutions because you don't know what the future holds. But we know that God holds the future. Amen. So three resolutions. Today we're going to talk about resolution number one. Govern your soul to honor God. We must learn to govern our soul to honor God. The question is, what is the soul? What is the soul? It's, um, it's, it's a very elusive concept. Trying to understand the soul, it's almost like trying to hug a hologram. Anybody know what a hologram is? There's no substance there, right? Um, the soul is, that part, is, a, is not a part of the physical body. It's that element that cannot be seen by the natural life, but its effects is impacted in our personal lives. Meaning what's going on in my soul uh, works its way out in how I live my life. See, at conversion, at conversion, 
The human spirit is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And the human soul is saved and sanctified. However, the sanctification process of the soul is a progressive work of both the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The word sanctification simply means that separation from the world unto God. That's a continual process. Amen? The soul works literally as the umpire of our lives. It calls the shot because whatever rules the soul, listen to me, whatever rules your soul, it literally rules your life. So the question is, what's ruling your soul? So for us to understand the soul, Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man of dust, the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. So we are live, we are so we're, we're, we're tripod, we, we, as we know. We are spirit, we live in a body, and we possess a soul. Amen? The Hebrew word for soul that's important for us to understand, it means living being, being. it means life, it means the self, it means the person. It refers to our desires, our passions, our appetites, and our emotions, talking about your soul, what goes on in your soul. Um, uh, social scientists and marketing experts understand the concept of the soul. And that's why they put images before you to invoke a thought that would then lead to a behavior. Amen? So what's in the soul? Uh, the soul includes the faculty of the mind, the will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. One of the biggest challenges today, um, especially what, what I would consider to be the, um, the millennium, Gen Z, Gen X's um, age group, is the challenge of understanding how to manage their soul as it relates to relationships. <laughs> Because what people say, what people do affects what's going on in your soul. And if you don't know how to manage that, it will affect your life. It will affect how you think about yourself. It will affect how you respond. And so every day, your soul is under an assault. So why, why don't we personally or collectively accomplish more for God's kingdom. Why, why don't we accomplish more? One suggestion I, I would say is that we are conflicted in our souls. You ever, you ever get up and you know you should be doing this, but this is what's pulling you? And you're kind of be, between both opinions. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself gravitating and just landing here doing this because there's a conflict that's happening inside of your soul see um, we don't accomplish a whole lot and like I said it's the beginning of the year many people are some people are setting goals and dreams but sometimes we find ourselves 
repeating the same year, year after year, not accomplishing what we set out to accomplish. Why? Here, here's a couple of things that's going to help us. Somebody just, just nudge somebody and say, this is going to help you. It's going to help you. Because if I, keep, if I keep returning to the following year with the same life and the same stuff, the same problems, the same issues, it means that there's a disconnect somewhere. That there's a conflict somewhere. So here, here's, here's why we don't really move forward and progress forward. Number one, we, we have wishful dreams about the future. <laughs> wishful, wishful, wishful. Um, we have no vision and we make no genuine plans about today. What I'm going to do today. We're thinking about maybe tomorrow, but what are we doing today? Number three, we lack knowledge, ambition, and resilience. Number four, we lack spiritual and self-discipline. I can say I'm going to do all these things, but if I don't have the self and the spiritual discipline, it will always be just a wishful dream. Hmm? You know, discipline has to do with self-restraint. Diligent has to do with pers uh, persistence. And then we also lack the patience. Number five, we are double-minded in our pursuits. And we tend to settle for the mundane in life. We settle for what we think we can have as opposed to understanding what God has for us. Number six, we continue to make excuses and settle for convenience. We don't want anyone pushing us. We don't want anyone challenging us. We don't want anyone calling us up higher. And what tends to happen is if, if someone's doing that in our lives, instead of seeing it as God's grace being extended to us to bring us into a greater place of, of influence and a greater place of intimacy with God, what well, we take it as an offense. Why are you bothering me? Why are you trying to mess with me? Oh, Jesus, help us. And number seven, we, we don't surrender to God. So we make plans, but we never really surrender our lives to God to really work in our lives. So Solomon, Solomon um, said this about the soul in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. It says, the soul, which means appetite of a lazy person, craves and gets nothing. Y'all get that? The soul, it means, which means the appetite of a lazy person craves and gets nothing. For lethargy overcomes ambition. But the soul appetite of the diligent who works willingly is rich and abundantly supplied. Now, we got to remember who's saying this. This is Solomon. This is, this is the man who, 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 who espouses wisdom and have wealth. And Solomon is saying that the appetite of the lazy person, it craves stuff, but it gets nothing. Because lethargy overcomes ambition. And that the soul of the diligent 
is moving in a direction of abundance and is supplied abundantly. So, but where is the soul? Where is the soul? Uh, the soul encompasses and includes uh, the body as well as the heart and the mind. The soul integrates the decision-making capacity of the heart through the lens of your life, which is the mind. So the lens of your life is your mind, how you really see. I'm not talking about naturally, but how you really perceive is really through the mind. The soul is considered to be the depths of our being. David makes this statement about his soul when he was in a place of discouragement. He literally spoke to his soul. When was the last time you spoke to yourself? When was the last time you found that you were drifting and you know you were going in a direction in your mind? I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about in your mind. There's a place that you're drifting to and you have to literally arrest yourself. You have, you have to literally begin to, you got to snap yourself out of that. You have to say, come on now. David is in this situation and he's speaking to his soul. What does this teach us, church? It means that there are times in your life that you got to talk to your soul. <laughs> David says in Psalms 42 verse 11, he says, why my soul are you downcast? The word downcast means depressed. Do we struggle with a little bit of depression from time to time? Mm, Jesus. He says, why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So David is saying, he's asking the question, why are you so depressed or cast down? Why are you disturbed? Here's another way of looking at this. Why do you operate with no peace in your life? Why is there so much uncertainty why are you always anxious or worried? He, he says, he says, this is the answer. This is the answer. He says, put your hope in God. See, when our minds are is drifting, when our soul is drifting, and we're getting into that place of darkness or depression, what's happening is our focus have been shifted from God onto either a thing or a person that's creating that internal environment in us. And the fruit of that is creating heaviness or depression on the inside of us. The Bible says that God has given us a, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. A spirit of heaviness, it means depression. Praise. Hmm. So, so, so. Governing your soul to honor God is all about discovering the deepest desire of the soul that was endowed by God the creator. So there's a desire in our souls that God literally put there. And what has happened is as we come through life, we start trying to fill that desire with other things and with other people. And that's why sometimes we go from relationship to relationship because there's a void that God has placed there for himself. That we are looking to other things and other people to try to fill. 
and we keep getting disappointed and we keep thinking, well, I think I learned some lessons from that last relationship. And so in this relationship, they're not going to do to me what that other relationship did. And we find ourselves in either the same state or the worst worst state. Because I'm trying to fill a void that only God can really fill in my life. Okay. So what does the soul longs for most deeply and I just said it whether you know it or not the sole most basic deepest desire is to be known and embraced by God is to have an intimate vibrant relationship with the creator of the universe who have decided to allow you and I to call him Abba Father think of the the vastness of who he is And he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. That's the the greatest desire. So governing, governing your soul to honor God is this. Learning how to love God with all your soul. (laughs) You know, and, and, and we know that's coming from the great commandment, right? But sometimes we hear things and we don't really hear things. Because if he's saying, love God with all my heart, mind, and soul, it means that I can love God with partial or half-hearted expression of my love for him. The question is, do I really know if I'm loving God with all or with half? Because if I'm loving God with half of my soul, It means that the other half is occupied by something. And that something now becomes a competitor to God. And then we find ourselves conflicted. So how do I honor God with my soul? I have got to learn to love him with all my soul. I have to harness my mind, my will, and my emotions. And let God be the center of that relationship to love God with all your soul is to acknowledge that he is the only ultimate satisfaction for the soul we are most satisfied when we find our satisfaction in God the Bible captures this idea of longing for God in the soul in Psalms chapter 42 verse 1 David again is is speaking, and David says this. As I'm going to read um, from uh, the ESV. As the deer pants for the stream of waters, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. When can I come to meet with God? The contemporary English Bible translation says it like this. Just like a deer craves streams of water, my whole being craves you. God, my whole being thirsts for you. For the living God. When will I come and see God's face? I love this translation because it says... My whole being 
craves and thirsts for the living God. Have you ever had a craving? You know, <laughs> you, you show up in a bakery or something and you smell something or you go into a store or a mall or something, they have these, um, these, these restaurants, but all of a sudden a craving hit you. Uh, seriously, has, has anyone ever had a craving? Had a craving, right? <laughs> when you have a craving, if you don't have any self-discipline, you're going to find yourself satisfying the craving. Uh, okay? Uh, here's the thing about cravings. Um, there are some cravings that are good. And then some of them that are not good. There's a craving here that David is calling out. He says, my heart, my soul craves for the Lord. He's longing for God. We all have to gravitate to wanting that to be our experience in our Christian walk. We have to desire to have a deeper craving for God. Because what's competing in the area of craving, which is happening in the soul, is a craving for the world. And what tends to happen is we feel as though that there's a trade-off. If I'm really going to give my all to God, then it seems as though I'm going to lose what I really enjoy doing. Can I still serve the Lord and still do that thing, you know, that thing that I used to do before Christ? And the enemy will weigh in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, that there's a greater trade-off in following Jesus. We're losing. Oh, church, I, I, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. The enemy will ma always make you feel as though that you're losing if you're giving your all to God. What should it profit a man if he gains what? The whole world. And he loses his soul. But the enemy never wants us to see that principle. He wants us to live in the now and he wants, wants us to live in the moment of self-gratification. And so he wants, he wants us to be governed by a soul that's influenced by the world. I got to say that again. The, the enemy wants us to be governed by a soul that's influenced by the world. And it doesn't matter how much of church I come to or how, much, how many books I read. If my soul is governed by the world, my cravings are going to be for the world. And so I can say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can have all the language, but still what's going on inside me, what excites me is not the things of God. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us. And, and the thing is, church, we got we to gotta be honest, really, with where we are in our walk with God. If our excitement is more worldly, it literally means that the world is on the throne of our souls. And the enemy will want us to feel as though that that's okay if I used to do X, Y, Z, but I'm not really doing it as much. And I feel as though I can control it. Oh, I'm good. But how many know that there's no such thing as partial sin? Okay. There's no such thing to him that knoweth to do right and does it not to him, it's sin. If you know you should be doing something according to God's word and I choose 
to gratify my flesh, I'm committing sin against the holy God. The problem is now we're in an, an age where we begin to make concessions and compromises to gratifying the soul that's being ruled by the world. And then we still call ourselves believers. And when people are around us, what they hear is the world's influence in our lives. If I were to come in your car today and, and say, put some music on your phone, what kind of music is coming out of your phone? Is, is, it, is it music that's, that's gratifying your soul? I'm not being legalistic at all, but I'm saying that if we're being called to love God with all of our soul, it means the decisions that I'm making must be God-honoring versus flesh-gratifying. And so what we don't do is we don't try to, around here, try to tell people how to live except to tell us we live according to the word. Everybody with me? <laughs> See, because we got we to gotta break these cycles of still being worldly and, and think that we are living holy. S living worldly, but want a holy God to bless our stuff. There is a requirement that if I'm going to follow him, it means I must give up the world. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that the world can still be ruling and I'm still um, a servant to sin in my Christian walk. Okay, so all that stuff, not even on the notes, but he's trying to talk to us about understanding the importance of governing my soul. What's going on in my will? What's going on in my mind? What's going on in my emotions? I am, I am convinced that we have become some of the most fickle people as Christians. Fickled. I mean, today I'm smiling, I'm good, and tomorrow I'm ready to fight. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, bless the Lord, while a cuss word coming out of my mouth. And what we don't understand is when we live that way, we're giving a negative testimony of God and his kingdom and we're literally empowering the enemy in our lives. So what's going on in your soul? What's going on in your mind? Are you having mind wars? Are you finding that... Your mind is racing and you got all these images that have been downloaded on the, the canvas of your mind. Images that you know was not God honoring. And the enemy is beating you up. I want you to know the blood of Jesus is sprinkled on our conscience and we, our minds have been renewed in Christ. And so when we make the decision that God, I'm going to give you all of me. It means that now I'm putting myself in a position that now the enemy can't accuse me of my past anymore because my past have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus.